Today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks is brought to you by Locked On NHL. If you need more hockey news every day, then Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories in game recaps on Locked On NHL. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, July 19th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. Go rate the show with five stars if you like it. Go leave a review if you want to as well. It's all free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, if you're on Twitter, then please go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page. That can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. Alright, good morning everyone. Happy Monday. Shake off those Sunday scaries. And thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. We have quite the week coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Starting with Wednesday night, the Seattle expansion draft will finally be taking place. We'll have more on that in a moment and how it relates to the Chicago Blackhawks. But we'll finally be getting a gist of who will be suiting up for the Kraken in their inaugural season in the National Hockey League. And then on Friday is also the first round of the 2021 NHL Draft. And the Blackhawks, of course, will be choosing at number 11 overall, or I guess number 12, whichever way you want to put it. Arizona was forced to forfeit their first round pick this year, so technically the Blackhawks will be choosing 11th overall, even though they landed officially in the 12th spot in the draft lottery a couple of weeks back. But then, after the first round wraps up on Friday night, the second round and the remainder of the draft will finish up on Saturday, and the Blackhawks have plenty of picks in those later rounds, and they've been, uh, knock on wood, but they've been pretty solid at finding some hidden gems from down there in the past. Hopefully, that will continue here once again, but... um, it's just, it's going to be a busy week for the NHL coming up, and things even started to get a little bit chaotic over the weekend. There were a couple of signings. Miro Haskinen got a big deal with the Dallas Stars. Uh, there are also a couple of big-name trades, most notably the three-way deal that got done between the Vegas Golden Knights, Nashville Predators, and Philadelphia Flyers, which saw former number two overall pick Nolan Patrick wind up with the Golden Knights. Defenseman Ryan Ellis is heading to Philadelphia, and then Cody Glass and Felipe Myers move to the Nashville Predators. Um, but a lot of the news that came out over the weekend was in regard to that upcoming Seattle expansion draft because uh, with all 31 NHL teams having to submit their official list of protected players by around 4 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, that caused uh, a lot of havoc based on the handful of really solid players that are going to be left available for the Kraken to take at the moment. It's looking like the Kraken 
could be coming away with a pretty good haul here in this expansion draft. They got guys like uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, Gabriel Landiscog, Ryan Johansson, Mark Giordano from the Calgary Frame, uh, Calgary Flames, possibly Carey Price from the Montreal Canadiens, although there have been a couple recent reports suggesting um, a couple of serious injuries, potentially. He may need surgeries uh, on his knees and or hips. Um, but there, there are just a lot of good players out there who have been exposed for the Kraken to take. They could be putting together a pretty solid roster when it's all said and done. We might have a Vegas 2.0 on our hands here. But as for the Blackhawks and their protected list on Saturday, we learned that the Hawks, they did in fact go with the 7-3-1 route as we all expected. It just made the most sense for their roster breakdown right now. Um, and they wound up protecting, starting with the forwards, those seven forwards that they put on their protected list were Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strom, Brandon Hagel, Henrik Borgstrom, and David Kampf wound up getting the seventh and final forward spot, which <laughs> Blackhawks Twitter hasn't taken too well. Uh, he's really the only semi-surprise of this group. We, we really knew the six before him. We knew all of those guys were going to get protected. I had been talking about that on the show here for a couple of months now. Um, but the Blackhawks, they chose to protect Camp in that seventh spot over guys like Adam Gaudette, who I thought could be in the running for that final spot as well. Uh, they also elected to leave Vinny Hinestroza available, who, um, even if he doesn't get taken by the Kraken, his future in Chicago is certainly still very much up in the air. And also Ryan Carpenter, who some people have talked about. They think he could be uh, a little bit of a sneaky or a, a savvy pick by the Kraken if they're looking to add towards their bottom six when they look the Blackhawks' way. Um, but for Camp, I mean, I, I do get why the Blackhawks did this. While Camp will never be, you know, like, a glamorous player or will be, you know, the talk of the town or anything, he is very good at his job of being a, sh a shut-down fourth-line center, and he, and he does a lot of solid work on the penalty kill unit as well. And probably last year he was just a little bit overused, you know, with the Hawks, not having a lot of depth down the middle with Jonathan Taze being out and Kirby Doc not being there. It was a lot of rookies down the middle. Um, Pia Suter got a lot of time at center on the first line. Philip Kurashev was there a bunch. Uh, Dylan Strom has had his struggles at the faceoff dot throughout his career. So really, Kampf, I mean, not only was he the, the best faceoff man on the Blackhawks last season, but he was really the only guy that Coach Jeremy Colleton could count on to go in there and win a draw. And not just last year, but that's also kind of an area the Hawks have struggled at as a team for the last couple of seasons. Even when Jonathan Taze, who's one of the best faceoff men in the league, even when he was fully healthy, they were still, you know, middle of the pack or bottom third of the NHL at the faceoff dot. So there is a lot of value there with David Camp. I just don't think people are, are quite seeing it at the moment. And, you know, if the Blackhawks, if they are able to start taking those steps in the right direction as a team in the next couple of years, then a guy like Kampf and his role, it'll only become more and more meaningful to this team because those kinds of depth players 
are what separates a good team from a great one. It doesn't really make too much of a difference when you don't have great depth on all four lines and you're not really competing for a playoff spot. But, um, I mean, just go back and look at those Blackhawks teams from 2010 to, to 2015. You know, the fourth line was crucial. And in 2013 and 2015, Marcus Kruger was a big part of the Blackhawks' success. A guy who was... Uh, who plays a very similar style to David Camp. So I do get why the Blackhawks chose to protect Camp with that seventh and final forward spot. And even if the Kraken they, they do even if they do wind up taking one of those three forwards left available that I just mentioned a moment ago, uh, Ryan Carpenter, Adam Gaudet, or Vinny Hinnestrosa, even if one of those three guys wind up with Seattle, it's not really the end of the world by any means for the Blackhawks. It's not like they exactly broke the bank to get any of those guys. Ryan Carpenter was uh, a three-year, $3 million free agent signing. Vinny Hinnestrosa, we sent Brad Morrison to Florida for, so that's already a win, even if he only played 17 games with us last season. And also, Adam Gaudet, that we only swapped him one for one for Matthew Highmore, who, I mean, he did go on a little bit of a tear there at the end of the season with the Vancouver Canucks, but still, I mean, it was only um, a one for one fourth line swap where the Blackhawks certainly got the player with the higher upside. So uh, again, not the end of the world by any means of the Blackhawks, you know, lose those guys. Um, and they do have a lot of, a lot of forwards to, I mean, there's not many spots available in that forward group right now. And it's a, another, Another year going into the offseason where it's looking like a, the Hawks have a logjam in that area. So um, even though it's not great to potentially lose one of those forwards for nothing, you know, we kind of need um, some guys to filter out in that department. And, and that's something that's going to happen in this Seattle expansion draft regardless. So um, not too bad here for overall in the forward group for the Blackhawks. Taking a look at their defensemen now, um, the Hawks used their three protected spots on Connor Murphy, which was a no-brainer, really. And then they chose to also protect Riley Stillman and the newly acquired Caleb Jones, a.k.a. both Calvin DeHaan and Nikita Zadorov have been exposed for the Kraken to take in the expansion draft. And I'm by, by looking at this list, I'm kind of getting... The sense that the Blackhawks, that, that's kind of what they would like Seattle, Seattle to do is to take one of these two defensemen from them, get them off the books. Dehan still has $4.55 million through next year, while Zadorov, as most of you know, uh, is rumored to get somewhere around $4 million potentially on his next contract, and that doesn't have a lot of Blackhawks fans all that happy if the team's thinking of re-signing him, so... Um, I'm thinking that the Blackhawks, they're hoping that Seattle will take one of those two guys and take their contracts off of their hands to not only free up some cap space, but also to free up another spot on the back end for one of the up-and-coming defensemen, because while I've talked about the logjam at the forward group for the Blackhawks a lot this offseason and also on today's show, there still is a bit of one on defense for this team as well, even with Duncan Keith not out of the picture. But by protecting both Riley Stillman and Caleb Jones, the Hawks have now shown that they're, uh, no surprise here, but they're committed to their youth, and um, things could be a little bit more cleared up if either Calvin DeHaan or Nikita, Nikita Zadorov wind up being the choice for the Kraken on Wednesday night. Then in goal, the Blackhawks pretty obviously chose to protect Kevin Lankinen. I mean, they were never going to risk losing him to Seattle. 
And while Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia both had their moments at times this year, neither of them flashed the same potential that Lankinen did. So this was kind of also a no-brainer for the Blackhawks to round out their protected players list. But one more time, the official list for Chicago is Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strome, Brandon Hagel, Henrik Borgstrom, David Kampf, Connor Murphy, Riley Stillman, Caleb Jones, and Kevin Lankinen. All right, that seems like a good time to wrap up the talk on the Blackhawks' protected players list. Coming up in just a minute, I'll get into who they could be looking at losing on Wednesday night as part of our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar has a ton of awesome classic flavors like coconut, double chocolate, salted caramel, and they also have a couple of new flavors right now like strawberry and grasshopper cookie, which is really good if you like mint. And they also have cookies and cream, cherry barcia, and many more flavors, all of which are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's a capital L in LOCKED, then the number 15 to get 15% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our exclusive promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. I just got done talking about the Blackhawks' official protected players list for the Seattle expansion draft, which takes place on Wednesday night. Moving on now, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. The first question I wanted to get into today comes from longtime listener Christopher Brown at Chris underscore Brown one on Twitter. Chris, always appreciate the support and the questions. Thank you very much. Chris asked, who's most likely to be lost to Seattle in the expansion draft and who is most likely to step up in the lost player's place? Well, Chris, I personally think it's down to probably, I know this isn't uh, great great news or, or great journalism here, but I think it's down to uh, great reporting, I guess I should say. I personally think it's down to about four guys for the Blackhawks as of right now, but again, as to which one of those four it will be, I really, I honestly have no idea at the moment. Um, I guess it'll be hopefully a little bit easier and we'll get uh, a little bit better of an idea as Seattle starts to fill out their roster a little bit. But if I had to guess right now, I think those four players for the Blackhawks are Calvin DeHaan, Nikita Zadorov, Malcolm Subban, and Adam Gaudet. As I mentioned earlier, I think the Blackhawks, though, I think they're hoping that Seattle takes either Calvin DeHaan or Nikita Zadorov off of their hands, just in order to free up a little bit more cap space and also to open up a spot on the back end for a young defenseman. Um, 
And I can honestly see the case for either one of those guys going to Seattle. Uh, Kraken general manager Ron Francis is ties with DeHaan going back to his time in Carolina. Uh, and when DeHaan is healthy, he's shown that he can be a steady shutdown second-pairing defenseman. And he also only has one year left of term on his contract. And he's probably, based on the couple of surgeries he's had the last few years, and he's getting older, he hasn't been able to stay on the ice all that consistently. I don't expect him in the COVID times to generate much of a raise at the end of this deal, uh, barring, of course, you know, a major bounce-back campaign from DeHaan. Um, so he could be a good fit for the Kraken for those reasons. As for Zadorov, uh, he's probably the most intriguing name on this available players list for the Blackhawks. The, the, the Blackhawks have now basically admitted defeat to the Brandon Saad trade, and they've said, you know, hey, Seattle, Ron Francis... If you want, if you want to take Big Z and and you want to go pay him that money as an RFA, go ahead. It, it's all you if you want to do that. And uh, also, re- the Blackhawks were reportedly trying to trade Zadorov in the last couple of days, but were unsuccessful uh, those couple of days prior to announcing their protected players list. So, uh, doesn't sound like there may be much of a future here in Chicago for Nikita Zadorov after just one season for the Blackhawks. Um, as for Malcolm Subban, I, I do think it's a possibility, but I will say that there are a couple of better options out there on the market for the crack. And that's my only real thing here. Um, but if you look at Subban, I mean, he he's shown he can be a serviceable backup, uh, potentially a third string option for the Kraken, and he's making less than a million dollars for one more season. Um, but you know, as I said, looking at the available choices right now for Seattle, they got Carey Price potentially, even though he may be out for the entirety of next season. Uh, they're also suspected to take Chris Drieger from the Florida Panthers, and I think they're supposed to get a deal done at some point. He could be looking at the starting position, the starting netminder for the Seattle Kraken on opening night. Uh, they also have Brayden Holpies out there, Jonathan Quick. I think Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals could be out there. So, um, the, the, the Kraken are going to have their options for goaltending, and uh, I'm just not quite sure Malcolm Subban fits that list. Uh, but but he could, you know, they if they want to stack up some depth and, you know, maybe try to move a couple of those guys and get future assets, kind of like we saw Vegas do a little bit and take advantage of their position, you know, that that's why I have Malcolm Subban, Malcolm Subban on this list. It is... Uh, a small possibility. And then there's also Adam Gaudet, who's another intriguing option here because um, it's been a struggle for him to remain consistent at the NHL level, but in his seven games with the Blackhawks last year, he looked good and he showed some flashes. Uh, also, Gaudet was finally diagnosed with a stomach ailment. He, he's kind of wasn't able to to train correctly in the offseason. He's now back to being fully healthy and able to do all of that stuff. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that the Kraken don't wind up taking Gaudet because, according to reports from Scott Powers, the Blackhawks would like to keep him, and quite frankly, so would I. I really liked what I saw out of him in that limited capacity last season. But overall, Chris, um, if if I had to guess, I would say probably the Blackhawks are looking at losing one of their two defensemen here in either Calvin DeHaan or Nikita Zadorov. I'm guessing one of those two guys get selected by the Kraken, and then the Hawks, you know... They have a plethora of young left-handed defensemen to come in and take over for that spot, like Riley Stillman, 
Caleb Jones, Nicholas Bodan, Wyatt Kalanuck, all guys who are going to be looking for ice time and are all part of that uh, f- that group going forward now officially for the Blackhawks. So um, again, if I had to guess, Chris, I think Calvin DeHaan or Nikita Zadorov are the guys we're looking at losing to Seattle on Wednesday night. The second question I wanted to answer today came from at KMLB Bears Cub fan who asked uh, asked a question last week as well, but this time around asked, I also listened to the blank, blank, blank podcast, and they all think Seth Jones is basically a locker room cancer. I haven't heard you mention that when you talk about trading for him. What do you think about this? Uh, honestly, I haven't heard anything like this in my research on Seth Jones. Not to say uh, that podcast isn't accurate or anything. Um, I just I haven't heard anything along those lines when doing my my research on Seth Jones. And also, when I've had conversations with um, with Jay Forster from Lockdown Blue Jackets, the host of Lockdown Blue Jackets, he he's really only had good things to say about Seth from a leadership standpoint. Um, he may not be the most vocal guy. He kind of stays to himself and is a, a little bit of an introvert. But last time I talked with Jay, he was literally talking about how when the Seth Jones deal went down, the, the trade that sent him to Columbus, uh, when he first got there, he was really one of the leaders uh, and one of the guys that stepped up and, and got that team on some pretty incredible runs and really sort of took them from the ground up. So I was uh, honestly a little bit surprised to see that people have heard bad things about Jones in the locker room. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, if those guys think this because of the way Jones publicly came out and said he wanted out of Columbus. Uh, I I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, all good things about Seth Jones from an off-the-ice standpoint. I, I really haven't heard anything to suggest that he may, may cause problems to the Blackhawks locker room if they're wanting to acquire him in a trade this summer. All right, I got one more question here left on the shows from uh, one of my Twitter followers early this morning that I wanted to get into. At uh, JRD Pierce 2 asked me this morning, Jack, what do you think the Hawks' plans are for center? We've got Taze, Doc, Strom, Suter, Kurashev, Kampf, Borgstrom, and Reichel. The latter two intrigue me. Kampf is a quality shutdown slash faceoff guy. Strom and Kurashev gone. I like Suter. Thoughts? Kind of hope we keep Gaudet too. A lot on, lot to unpack here in this question. Um, but yeah, that's actually something I talked about in my sit-down conversation with Charlie Rumeliotis not all that long ago. I really asked him. It, the question was more so. Uh, formed and shaped around Dylan Strom's future with the Blackhawks. But I was like, Charlie, look here, man. I mean, the numbers don't lie. The Blackhawks have a ton of center depth. And um, that's why one thing we also talked about on that show and one thing that I brought up to Charlie, I- I'm saying uh, I think it's going to be a busier summer than people expect for the Blackhawks because they just got so many guys in that forward department and you can only... You know, put 12 of them out there on the ice and dress, what, 14 or 15 of them? And even then, the Blackhawks still have, you know, there, there's a logjam there, to put it, to put it, sim- in, uh, to put it simply. Um, but getting into this question a little bit more, um, Taze and Doc, you know, you can kind of pencil those two in. I don't think those guys are going anywhere. Dylan Strom, you know, he's been a curious case. But when I talked to Charlie Rumeliotis, he, he said he doesn't really get the sense that the Blackhawks are shopping Strom, and he also brought up that he thinks the locker room would be devastated if they traded Dylan Strom because he's a really liked guy inside that locker room and by his teammates. So, sounds like Dylan Strom could 
still have a future in Chicago, although it may not be at the center position. We've seen him experiment at wings in the past, although not all that successfully. Um, also, Pia Suter, who still needs a new deal. I mean, that's probably going to take place after the expansion draft and after the NHL draft, but uh, he's one guy that the Blackhawks may be listening to offers to just because of all the depth they have down the middle. Same with Philip Kurashev. If the Blackhawks um, try and get a deal done for Seth Jones this summer, I expect Suter and or Kurashev to be part one of those two, potentially even both, to be part of that deal. Uh, David Kampf, by protecting him, the Blackhawks have shown that they really want him to be their fourth-line center of the future. He's a pretty cheap bargain financially, and he also provides a lot of value, as I mentioned earlier on the show. Then there's Henrik Borgstrom and Lucas Reichel, two guys who, um, just from a number standpoint, I'm not really sure if they'll be able to make the NHL club right out of the gate, right out of training camp, but you gotta think at some point in the year, with the Blackhawks still technically being in those rebuilding stages, those two guys are going to get some time at the NHL level, and the Blackhawks, I'm sure, are super intrigued about what those two have to offer. So, um, yeah, again, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, potentially, Pia Suter and, and Philip Kershaw, I think, could be part of a deal. Maybe even Henrik Borgstrom and also Lucas Reichel. I've thrown both those names around uh, in the past couple of weeks, throw, scrapping together a potential deal for Seth Jones. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, also Adam Gaudet, I, I don't want to leave him out of the mix. I talked about him a moment ago. I would like him to remain in Chicago. I thought he looked pretty good. It was only seven games, but um, considering what we traded for him, you know, we definitely got the better upside of that deal. And I think if, you know, you give Adam Gaudet some consistent ice time, I think he could reduce for this team and do them some, um, do them some good from the bottom six. So yeah, um, at JRD Pierce 2, I wish I could call you a name, but that's also uh, just, it's not only your Twitter handle, but it's also your name on your account. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a logjam for the Blackhawks. Not sure how it's going to pan out, but I think we're going to start getting some answers here in the next couple of weeks. Again, with the Seattle expansion draft happening, the NHL draft coming a couple days later, and then free agency kicking off all three of those events being in a two-week span. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about what the Blackhawks want to do with this forward group for the 2021-2022 campaign. All right, that takes care of our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. Thank you again to all the listeners out there that took the time to ask those questions. Coming up in just a minute, I still have to get into Nicholas Bodan's 2021 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is about to take over for the summer. The NHL playoffs are wrapped up with uh, Tampa Bay Lightning taking home another Stanley Cup. The NBA Finals are finishing up as well. UFC is in full swing all year round, though, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today, and be sure to use our exclusive promo code, LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
All right, we're back here on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I just finished up with our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. Now, before I wrap up the show here today, I still have to get into 21-year-old defenseman Nicholas Bodan's 2021 season recap. It's the second-to-last season recap segment here for the summer, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But for Bodan, coming into the year, which was his first as a professional, by the way, or at least his first as a full-time professional. He did make his NHL debut for the Blackhawks in the final game of the regular season in 2020 before the COVID-19 outbreak. It actually occurred on my birthday. Um, But this time around, we knew it was going to be more than just a one-game stint for Bodan in Chicago. And in total, the second first-round pick for the Blackhawks in 2018, he went on to play in 19 of their 56 games this season. He recorded... Two goals and four assists for six points and really showed um, his puck-moving ability in the offensive zone as well as his capability to run the point on the power play. Bodan, in his 19 games played, got a lot of looks on the Hawks' second-man advantage group. Um, And from the offensive side of things, I I don't really think that's ever going to be a worry for Nicholas Bodan at the NHL level. He's shown that he has that offensive mindset. He knows exactly when to jump into plays from the back end, kind of like Wyatt Kalanuck. And I also really like um, his skating ability through the neutral zone as well. I think he's going to be a good puck carrier for this team once he gets a little bit more confidence and some more games and reps under his belt. Uh, However, for an offensive defenseman, Like a lot of these youngsters on the back end for Chicago, we just need to see Bodan settle in and get a little bit more aggressive because when he got his chances from the blue line and uh, when he was out there on the man advantage for the Blackhawks, I just thought there were times where he was way too timid with the puck on his stick, especially on the power play. Um, And he was just kind of reluctant to show off that, that savvy and strong wrist shot that he has from the back end that we saw all throughout his junior career and also a couple times with the Rockford Icehogs. Um, But in total, in 19 games played, Nicholas Bodan finished with only seven shots on goal. I know his role wasn't the biggest, but again, for a guy that did see power play time when he was up in the NHL and also for a guy who's known for his offensive abilities, like I said, like a lot of guys in this group, I'm concerned with just how many guys the Blackhawks have like this in their young defenseman group. I, I, again, I know they're all young, but none of them were consistently um, rifling shots on net from the blue line and were very successful in that area. And for how offensively gifted this group is supposed to be, you know, that statistic for all of them seemingly, Ian Mitchell, um, Adam Boquist, Nicholas Bodan, they all just did not finish well and did not seem to want to chip in from the back end for the Blackhawks. So, um, I mean, I don't I don't want to talk bad about these guys so young in their careers, but that's an area they definitely all need to work on going forward for this team. Uh, and speaking of Bodan's role a moment ago, he finished averaging 13 minutes and 47 seconds of ice time per game, which was actually the lowest of any Blackhawks defenseman this year, aside from Alec Regula, who only got like two or three games worth of action. Uh, and my guess for the reason for that was likely because on the defensive side of things, uh, Nicholas Bodan just did not look very comfortable back there. He was on the ice for 17 goals against to only 11-4, and he and his defensive partner also were just getting 
were regularly getting dominated pretty frequently in terms of uh, Corsi and the analytical side of things. It was kind of similar to Adam Boquist in his first NHL season. You know, the offense was coming along just fine, especially for being so young. Um, but but the defense in that aspect just simply wasn't there yet. And um, had there been a regular AHL season going on, I truly think... Botan wouldn't have made it to 19 games in the NHL this year and probably would have been down in Rockford working on his defense. It it, it wasn't very pretty for Bodan in his own zone this year. Uh, he only had four takeaways in those 19 games played, which <laughs> was better than Ian Mitchell, um, but he also had 14 giveaways, even though, you know, he wasn't regularly used defensively. I believe he had a 63 or 64% offensive zone percentage, uh, offensive zone start percentage, I should say. Uh, but again, you know, being just 20, 21 years old, uh, I don't even know if Bodan belonged in the NHL this past season, so it's it, it's almost kind of a wash anyway. So taking everything, you know, taking all of that into consideration, I think I'm going to give Nicholas Bodan a flat C for his performance in 2021. The defense certainly is a bit of a worry. Um, but again, being so young and just so early in his development and also not a guy known for, even in his junior career, not known for being the strongest defensively. He's not, he doesn't have a ton of size to him. He's not very physical. So naturally it was going to be a bit of a, uh, it was going to be a big transition and a big ask for Nicholas Bodan to hold his own at such a young age at the NHL. So uh, I'm not going to judge him too hard for that, and then offensively, I did like what I saw for the most part. The puck moving and the speed, uh, that there's definitely potential there, and now the hope is just that Bodan can sort of round out the other side of his game and become that staple on the back end for the Blackhawks that they thought they were getting in the first round back in 2018. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, July 19th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, which is a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes by following Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.